1230 Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Ah, congratulations, Michigan. A convincing win. Just like Lane Frank said yesterday when he joined us from the men's room at NRG Stadium uh, in our 30-minute abbreviated show. In fact, how close was Lane to picking the actual final score of 34-13? to uh, 13? Uh, We'll tell you right now. Very excited for this game tonight. Coronado didn't have school today. That's why I'm at the game. Wait, there's no school at Coronado? No, new building, moving in. That's besides the point. This is going to be an elite game. Michigan's going to win it. I don't have much time. Michigan's going to win this game. It's an amazing atmosphere here. Hey, Lane, final score tonight. Uh, let's go. Michigan, 34-10. Go Blue. I will be going crazy once we win. Well, he was right. They, uh, they won, and he was only three points off. How about that? I mean, think about this for a second. How about hitting the natty exactly right with the number of points your favorite team will score and then missing the opposition by three. I mean, that's pretty remarkable when you start to think about it. Now, here's the thing that I find fascinating, okay? This was a much, much closer game than the final score indicated. In fact, for three and a half quarters, it was still very much up in the air for either team. So when you hear the final score of 34 to 13, you think immediately of a one, just a romp, a, a lopsided affair that was completely one-sided and dominant, which is, I think, what Lane expected. But it was actually a much closer game until Michigan just scored a couple of uh, touchdowns in the fourth to put it away. But how about hitting that final score to within three? That's, uh, that's, that's pretty impressive there, Adrian. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of personalities on this show, and they always express their fandom, whether it's Gator Richard, his love for the Florida Gators, it's Elaine Frank, who all season long has expressed his love for the Michigan Wolverines and has, has broke down each game every single week when he talks with, uh, to us and has given us – his thoughts on this team, uh, the Harbaugh controversy, all that kind of stuff. Orly will chime in. He'll talk 40. Yeah. We've got the personalities on this show, whether they're our listeners who call in or they're our regular guests who have their fandom. And to hear Lane Frank be so confident and actually get to celebrate after this one, how could you not just be happy for him, his family who got to be out there, uh, and you know everybody celebrating for the big uh, Michigan victory? What an amazing experience that had to be for them. I mean, just think about that. You know, it's your favorite team. You, um, you, you, you just, you know, you, you've, you, you have this journey where you always dream of a situation like this. You get to be there in Houston. I wonder if he made it up to the Michael Jordan Skybox Suite during the games where Jarek Jeter was and all the other, uh, all the other celebs were hanging out uh, during that contest. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the host of that suite or something like that, Steve. You know, that that kind of thing. They had to go through Lane Frank in order to actually get in the suite. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I'll also say this uh, as far as the game itself. Michael Penix, the game was kind of on him. And yep. we talked about the matchup yesterday, the offensive line of Washington versus the defensive line of Michigan State, and and uh, the Wolverines won that matchup. That ended up I being did. the difference of the game. By the end, it looked like uh, he had broken a rib or something, Michael Penix, uh, yep. because he couldn't even walk at some point without holding his uh, chest and, and his rib area. But even when Penix had time to make the throws, he wasn't delivering the kind of pinpoint accuracy we've been so used to watching. He was rattled, man. Yes, he was. And, and I, you know what? Look. 
the lights are bright. It's the biggest game of the year. No, no doubt about it. The biggest game he's ever been a part of. So I get it. There are going to be those nerves. But at the same time, J.J. McCarthy's on the other side. He had not been in a situation like that. He's getting uh, advice from the mental coach on the sideline mm-hmm. at one point you know, as well. He ends up the winner, and uh, I left this game very impressed with J.J. McCarthy. I'm not completely out on Michael Penix, and he actually could be a first-round draft pick when it's all said and done. Uh, but, yeah, it was J.J. McCarthy who was poised in the pocket and yep. who led his team to victory. Not only that, he didn't have a great passing game. I mean, at one point he was only like 8 of 16 for 76 yards or something like that, and he had a 7-point lead in the, I think it was in the third quarter. And I don't know if you remember this play, but they were backed up at like their own inside their own 5, and it was third down. And then he took off and he ran for like 35 yards and got them completely out of harm's way. And those were the kind of difference-making plays that uh, you know J.J. was able to do. And I was so impressed with that because it was a field position game at that point. Washington was hoping to have the ball near midfield and try to punch it in for a tie score. And then all of a sudden, when you think you've got Michigan's offense buried, that's when they come back and they get you. Yeah, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Brock Purdy. Like, does enough uh, to manage a game, never makes those mistakes that hurt you in a game, yep. and just does enough to, of winning plays uh, for you to actually pull it off and get it done. That play in itself was great. And it was exceptionally great, Steve, the one that you're talking about, because they had not had great starting field position in the second half. Michigan uh, didn't have. Washington, it felt like their punter wasn't great, but every punt he had, every, every ball would roll uh, to the back of the end zone or near two it so it felt like Michigan was just getting awful starting field position uh J.J. McCarthy able to bail out the, the the team on that third down play if they had a punt at that point I bet you the Huskies turn around and score on that drive and it's a lot closer of a matchup or a game when it was all said and done 100 percent 100 percent if you want to talk about that game with us we can do it with you right now 505-6009 that's 505 505- 6009. Tonight at 6 o'clock, it'll be Utah basketball with Keith Adams and Joe Golding live from Hudson's 1770 Lee Trevino. You can spend some time with John Teicher, get a burger or some wings, uh, maybe a shake, and uh, talk a little UTEP basketball. That's what's going to be happening. We'll have it for you as well. 6 o'clock right here. It's uh, UTEP basketball with Keith Adams and Joe Golding coming up live. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right. So we have two hours with you today. As we mentioned earlier, we would love to talk championship game. Uh, so impressed. Um, also, I-, I don't know if Bernie is going to be back from uh, the championship before the show is over. So um, how can I put this? Bernie was in Houston. He was at the championship game. He um, did not book an airlines that flies more direct flights and instead took his chances with a very well-known airlines that likes to take you around the world before they get you to the right spot. Well, to make a long story short, he's, uh, his flights have been delayed. He was supposed to get back uh, by now. I-, I don't believe that's the case. So uh, Bernie knows that if he comes back into town during Sports Talk, he's going to drop by the show. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about the future of the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl and all that with Bernie. He said he's got some good clarity after this weekend. But, um, Adrian, I don't know if that's going to happen just because, yes, um, he is, you know, he went from Houston to Dallas, Dallas to El Paso, delays galore, and uh, I'm not even sure if uh, if he's going to be in uh, before we end the show. So we've got a great uh, 600 ESPN El Paso X following, formerly known as Twitter, and uh, if that following were to bully the said airline, Steve, do you think Bernie could get here faster? So what I'm saying as is, is if... 
This is like, yeah, let, let me give an airline that's no longer active right now, Sprint, okay? So Or Spirit, I should say. If it's like Spirit Airlines, could we get our 600 ESPN El Paso mass following to uh, jump on that uh, specific company's Twitter account and bully them to get Bernie Olivas here to town faster? No. Oh, man. No. That's a bummer. Too big. Airlines too big. Okay. So, Next time. Yeah. Well, you know how they sometimes reply to you and they, they try to make it right? Maybe we could at least get a drink voucher for him. He would love that, but I don't even know if they do drink vouchers. Oh, that's how that's how uh, unspirited this this airline is, huh? Yes, yes, yes. Does, this is this is an airline that whenever I book it for our Dallas Cowboy trip winners, I'm always holding my breath. I know which one. I'm always holding my breath. I so. hope they're never a sponsor because I wouldn't genuinely read their ads. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, we'll just leave it at that. So hopefully Bernie lands. And uh, when he lands, we can talk to him uh, during the show today. So, is Alberto next to you today? He is. Man, uh, good job last week, Alberto. You did double duty. You had the KLQ morning show. You had Sports Center. Do you want to do Sports Center at the bottom of the hour just to show off for Adrian and show everybody how far along you came since last week? Yes, sir. All right. I figured as much. There you go, Adrian. So, Alberto will give us a Sports Center here at the bottom of our four o'clock hour. Good stuff. Let's go. I like that. Um, UTEP signings today. They uh, found more and more players they were adding uh, to their uh, football team. In fact, I do find this uh, very interesting when you, you really look at you know the minors and, and where they're at right now. Um, we know they lost Deion Hankins. We know uh, they also lost um, they also lost another one of their main yeah, running backs Torrance as well. Burgess. Torrance Burgess. Yeah. Right. right. So we found out today that Austin P transfer Javon Jackson will be with the Miners. He had 10 touchdowns, 1,300 rushing yards, chose UTEP over Tulsa, UConn, North Texas, Texas State. Man, how bad does UConn want running backs? Um, we know they're after Deion Hankins. I did not know that they threw an offer to Javon Jackson. So that tells me that UConn really wants uh, running backs in the worst way possible. However, Javon Jackson said that um, it will be UTEP for him, so he, in fact, will go and play for the Miners. Now, as far as that running back room, Adrian, that's going to be kind of interesting because um, assuming he gets uh, healthy and, uh, you know, is is – He's still on the UTEP team. Aaron Dumas is in that running back room. Uh, Mike Franklin is in that running back room. Um, We've got a few others that are also in that running back room. Yeah, you think about Sam Houston State transfer, uh, De'Aaron Trish. Uh, He is also on the team. He played a little bit on special teams, didn't burn his year of eligibility on the team as well. Uh, Azel Jolly, I don't know if you mentioned him, but he's also another guy. Joshua Dye, this is a walk-on guy that they had and they brought on into the mix. Uh, Kurt Traven Walker, last spring we heard uh, thoughts about who'd get the third running back role. Is it Mike Franklin or Kurt Traven Walker? Uh, Xavier 
Xavier Johnson, he's a Hanks graduate. He's also on the team. I would assume he's a walk-on, uh, you know, but he's still a, a listed on the, the squad. You talk about the signees. It's Ashton Emery, who is a you know, well-regarded guy out of high school and could be playing in year one, uh, despite all these different players that we're talking about. Marquez Taylor is also a running back. You've got a minor back, which is a position that they're creating here at UTEP under Scotty Walden and Cam Thomas that they signed in early signing day. So by my numbers, by my account, Steve, we're looking at like 10 to 12 running backs on this roster right now. It could be the deepest running back room ever, and we thought last year was going to be the deepest running back room at Utah. Yeah, how are you going to have that? I mean, there's only one ball, right? I mean, there's only two at most running backs you're going to have in the backfield, right? At least that's what I'm assuming. So uh, the minor back position is going to kind of play like a slot receiver role, so they're not going to be afraid to move these guys to a receiving position if that's the case under Scotty Walden. But at the same point, I would like to see if any of these other guys hit the portal uh, or just see what the kind of running back depth chart would really look like when it's all said and done. This could be, um, again, you're right, uh, a running back uh, room that is filled with, who knows, they're going to run the the ball up and down the field so many uh, so many times. Maybe they need to have 10 running backs at their disposal. Yeah, that's right. And we've seen uh, durability be an issue mm-hmm. at the running back position. Not even just Deion Hankins, right? Like it's other, Everybody. Yeah, other graduates like uh, Quadres Wadley in the past, uh, Trayvon Hughes in the past. So uh, durability is one of those things that just always comes into question when it comes to UTEP running backs. Let's get the phone started. Orley's first up. He joins us here. 15 past the hour. Welcome, Orley. What's going on? If you're flying spirit... You're taking your risk at your head. They, they do not serve El Paso. So I did not. I am that. not mentioning any airlines by name, um, and I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to do that. No, no, no. But but I can tell you, it's uh, it's, a, it's a tough air. There's a certain airline that UTEP uses on charters. It's another one I wouldn't go on. Okay. Because you don't know if they're going to cancel. Anyway, going back to the football season, Michigan. I was surprised how they came out in the first quarter. Just took it to that game was over in the first quarter. They were not going to lose that game. It was fun to watch. I'm glad for Harbaugh. Where does he go now? Does he go with the Chargers? You've got a quarterback there already. They just need to be coached right. I don't know where he goes. There's been so many rumors about where maybe he goes to Tennessee. I, I don't know where he's heading right now. It's a that's that's a tough that's a tough call. Adrian, you have any any ideas where you think Harbaugh's going? So I still I still think it's Vegas. I, if I if I'm going anywhere, I'm going Vegas, and I think that's the only name not named AP that Raider fans will um, welcome, and that's uh, Harbaugh. I don't necessarily love it. I like the I like the AP decision, I but I think that Davis is an owner that loves the splash. He loves the splash guest. Uh, I do not count out Washington because of the new owner and Josh Harris. He would give uh, the full keys, the whole car, the house, and everything to uh, Jim Harbaugh if he if he joined Washington. What about New England and get rid of Belichick and bring Harbaugh in? I'm yes. going Vrabel at New England. I, I think I think Vrabel's going to New England. I think uh, no, no. I think that's the case. Do you really want to bring back a Bill Belichick disciple after the way his career just ended in New England? Mm, that's a good point, but I, I'd say that's my pick for uh, right. Mike Rabel. I think that he's got the he's got the ties there, and he's not a bad coach either. He's no. great on development. Hey, real quick, the 49ers. The only team that could beat the 49ers are the 49ers themselves. I think that's a fair Would assessment. I do. I think that's fair. Although we have, yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, though, this season we've seen Brock Purdy get rattled. 
And we've seen Brock Purdy have some bad games. So it's not often, doesn't happen as often, but you know that we didn't see that last year because he got hurt. Now we've seen it. So you wonder, will Brock be able to get through the postseason and play like he has most of the regular season? Or will one of those two, three, four interception games be uh, his worst enemy uh, in the postseason? I don't think so. I think the biggest problem with the 49ers, I'm concerned, is the kicking game. I'm not comfortable with our kicker. Uh, he's cost them two games this year, mm-hmm. the Cleveland game and the game against the Rams. I mean, he's a uh, Moody. I just don't. I don't know. Yeah, you miss uh, you miss Robbie. You miss Robbie Gold. I, I miss Robbie Gold. He's 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 money. He's money in, in the clutch. I hear you. Appreciate you, Orly. Thanks for the call. Interesting that 49er fans are worried about kicking game more than they are Brock Purdy right now heading into the postseason. You know, the one team I would want to play if I'm San Francisco is the Philadelphia Eagles in the oh, second yeah. round. So, like, I'm I'm hoping Philly wins. I'm hoping that they play them. If the one team that I wouldn't want to play, the Los Angeles Rams. Really? Yeah. But well, but then again, you're not you're not playing Baker Mayfield. Not Baker. I mean, you're not, you're not playing Sam Darnold like they did last week. No, I throw last week aside. Yeah. It's it's the fact that Aaron Donald's rushing Brock that's, Purdy. That's true. That is true. You think that? Do you think the Rams are one of the most dangerous teams in the a, in the NFC heading into this postseason? No. Well, uh, I I want to throw bias aside. I think that some matchups the Rams just don't like the Rams up against the Cowboys. I don't like that because the Rams have a terrible secondary, and you could argue that Purdy could dice it up yeah. and, and throw you know all over the field against the Rams. But at the same point, I'd be more concerned about Dak if I were uh, you know the Rams, and I would fear that matchup right there. Good start to the show. Five zero five six zero zero nine. Let's head to Charlie get our first traffic update here on our Tuesday commute. All right, back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Um, with the news that Javon Jackson has committed to UTEP, the Austin P uh, transfer uh, running back, joining the running back room for the minors, it is interesting to note that uh, Tyron Smith has also found a home. He will be going to Cincinnati to play with the Bearcats next season. So Tyron Smith, who has spent three years in a row in the portal, one year he goes in, comes out, comes back to UTEP. Next year he goes in, goes to A&M, then doesn't like A&M, comes back to UTEP. Gets hurt, goes back in this year for the third straight year, and now goes to Cincinnati. He will play for the Bearcats. Look, uh, here's how I feel about Tyron Smith. If he, I hope he finds what he's looking for because these past couple of years, it, it seems like it's been him trying to find exactly um, what what's best for him, his future, whether it's through NIL or if it's through future pro football opportunities. So I hope at Cincinnati he finds that, whatever it is that he's searching for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, it's in, the hardest part for Tyron Smith is he had a couple of, uh, you know, he had a great second year at UTEP, really when he came out of the 
portal that first year. He was terrific. And then things didn't work out at, at, at A&M. And sadly, last year, he got hurt early and never was able to get healthy the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and maybe he was, you know, there's there's a little bit of a debate on could he have returned late in the season. At that point, why would you? If the team was out of contention and you want to preserve an extra year of eligibility, if your ultimate goal is to play professionally, then, you know, he was electing to take that medical redshirt, which is what he did, yep. to get that final year of eligibility, which is what he got, and that's going to Cincinnati. I agree with you. Alberto Hoff Sports Center coming up for us, bottom of the hour as we continue. But first, let's go to Domingo. He joins us next on the phones. Uh, 505-6009, our telephone number. Domingo, what's going on? How you doing, Gabby? First of all, I hope everybody had a good holiday season. Happy New Year. Happy hope you New had a good Year. Christmas. And, Gabby, I hope you had a good Hanukkah. Thank you, Domingo. All right. And first of all, I'll tell well, I got three subjects to talk about. Subject number one, the passing of two well-known World Cup managers. One, the Brazilian mother, Sudigalo, and the la- and yesterday, the legendary German manager, Franz Beckenbacher. That was a shock. Two, got- two legendary managers who won a World Cup as a, as a player manager passed away suddenly. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, listen, um, sometimes stories like that do surprise a lot of people. And uh, Beckenbauer, not somebody that really anybody expected. That was, that was definitely a surprise. Yep. All right, topic number two this week. Oh, my God, Nigai Mekis is back the second half. And I can't wait for the champs, Cuba America, the 14 time champs, back in action. They're playing Tijuana. And in two weeks, they're coming to Juarez. And I hope I get to see my America at the Benito because you know I'm a big time America fan. I'm, and I'm going to try to find a way to go to Juarez to see America. By the way, if you go to Juarez to see Club America, Honest question here. How many America fans do you think will be in that stadium versus FC Juarez fans? A lot of fans, Cappy. There'll be a lot of America fans. They will travel. But, like, I'm curious about one thing, okay? In terms of this league, um, America and also, um, really, I guess – America and Guadalajara, those are the two most well-known teams, correct? Yep, big time. So, yes. So I wonder, like, who's a, which one do you think's bigger? America? America, America of course, they're the best. 14 times champs. All right. you do not- what about, okay. uh, yes, well, I mean, but you, you, listen, you do have Chicharito at Chivas. Yeah, who cares? All right, there it is. That's what I was waiting for. Who cares? He's a he's a he's a has been. He's a washed up superstar. There we go. There we go. That's what I wanted. Now the last topic: the yes. big playoff match this weekend. The Cowboys against the Packers. You know who I'm going to root for. You know who I'm going to root for. It's obvious who I'm going to root for. I don't care about Aaron Jones. The Cowboys are going to do well in the playoffs. That's who I'm going to root. So Cowboys win, we move on. If we lose, well, you know, well, you know, I have Club America. To- um, question for you: If they lose to the Packers, is Mike McCarthy out of a job? Mm, I don't know. Well, let's see what let's see what Jerry Jones says. I think he's out of a job, Domingo, and I appreciate the call. I mean, look, you win the division. You have home field up until the championship game, assuming San Francisco wins next week in the divisional round. You can't lose to the Packers. You can't lose to the Green Bay Packers. But he, I've been talking to Cowboy fans for the last couple of days about this, okay? I love this matchup, and I'm going to tell you why. Number one, 
All the pressure in this game is on the Dallas Cowboys. All of it. There is zero pressure on the Green Bay Packers. Nobody picked them to go to the playoffs. Everybody thought it was going to be a rebuild. Everybody talked about what a flop Jordan Love is going to be. Nobody gave the Green Bay Packers a chance. And now, here they are in the wild card round playing the Dallas Cowboys. You also have my favorite storyline, and that is Mike McCarthy against Aaron Jones. Here's a coach that didn't play him, didn't believe in him, didn't give him a chance, and it really wasn't until Mike McCarthy left that Aaron Jones started to shine with the Packers. You don't think he wants to go and run all over Dallas and beat McCarthy and put him away in the playoffs? You have another thing coming. Final point I'll bring up about this game, okay? Dallas is terrific at home. Terrific at home. But, like I talked about earlier, the Packers are playing with house money right now. This is, they're going in with a nothing to lose, everything to gain mentality. And knowing that the pressure is going to be on Dallas this weekend and not Green Bay, Adrian, this is going to make this game a lot more interesting than people would realize. Yeah, I'm going to stay how I... Uh, how I stayed before I left, and that is I'm out on the Cowboys. I I'm, I just am out. I thought they should have lost to the Lions, and I, you know, the game against the Commanders, who cares? Ron Rivera is going to get fired anyways, right? And who's their best win on the season? Do you look back and say it was the Rams now, the way that the Los Angeles has closed out the year? Because it's not the Eagles, the way that Philly looks right now to close out the year. So if you're trying to stack up the quality wins that this team has had all season long, they're not, there's not many of them, and the losses start making you scratch your head like their loss against the Cardinals uh, earlier in the season, their two losses to the AFC East teams like the Bills and the Dolphins, both on the road when they had opportunities to win both of those games. Whatever. I, I'm just not a fan of this team right now as it stands. I'm out on this team. I think the Packers have a great opportunity to go in and hand Dallas their first loss at home on the season, and then Bill Belichick will be the head coach of the Cowboys yeah. in two weeks. Yeah, because you know Mike McCarthy's gone. If they lose to the Packers at home in the first in the wild card round, there is absolutely no way Mike McCarthy survives. Right, and and I think that we saw this reporting start to trickle out of Dallas over uh, the the past weekend that if they flame out in an uninspiring fashion, yep. Jerry Jones is too old. He wants to win a Super Bowl now, and this is the roster to do it with all the talent that they have on both sides. That's right. Bottom of the hour as Sports Talk continues. Here he is, Alberto Urueta. He's back with this Sports Center update for us. what I love. That's what we want. A little high school sports focus here with you. We'll come back and we'll do it again with you at the bottom of the 5 o'clock hour as we continue here on the show. So a nicely done, Alberto, and we appreciate that. 505-6009, our telephone number as we continue here on Sports Talk. Now, let's look at this Cowboys-Packers game from the Cowboys fans' perspective, okay? Dallas has something to prove. They want to show everybody that being 8-0 in the regular season meant something. That despite some people believing they didn't play anybody, well, they're just that good at home, and they're going to show it now in the wild card and the divisional rounds, which could very well be the case. In fact, we could have 
Eagles-Cowboys coming up in the divisional round if Philly can get past Tampa in the wild card round Monday night. Good point. Another thing with that is if you're a Cowboys fan, the one thing that you're real, or a couple things, but uh, one of the things that you're really bullish on is the emergence of Micah Parson without TJ Watt going into the postseason and with Miles Garrett going in with the Cleveland Browns being what it is. So what I'm saying is can Micah Parson stamp himself as the best defensive player all across the NFL with a with a magical postseason run? And it's led by, you know, you've got a great defense behind him. Donovan Wilson stepping up. Deron Bland is killing it this entire year. Just had a pick last week. So if you look at this Cowboys defense right now and you're a Cowboys fan, that's where you hang your hat on. That's what you get excited about because this defense, uh, when it's at its best, it's really shown up this season. You're right. And Green Bay is going to have their work cut out for them trying to slow down Dak and CD and that group. There's no doubt about that. And the Cowboys do have weapons and they've shown themselves well when given the opportunity. Uh, Jordan Love has never played in a postseason game. So really, uh, this will be kind of an... Actually, he might have played... Did he play in relief of Aaron Rodgers one year? Did he get hurt and, and uh, Love came in for like a couple of series? Maybe one series in a playoff game, now that I think about it? That might be right, but I, I'm not too sure. I don't know if he's ever played in, in this moment. Let me, let me double-check on this. Right I, have to do, I have to do that, too, and I want to make sure I, I've got that right because it's possible that Jordan has never played in a postseason, but something kind of tells me that he might have come in in relief and done that. I, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't look like that's the case. I'm checking his career postseason stats out, and um, all right, it just shows that in – 2020 in the postseason, he played two games but did not attempt a pass. So there you go. So maybe he might have come in and just handed the ball off a little bit, and that's it. Now, look, I mean, the Cowboys are supposed to win this game. Let's not let's not kid ourselves here. The Cowboys are supposed to beat the Green Bay Packers. There, there shouldn't even be a question about this. But like I told you earlier, nobody, nobody gave Green Bay a chance to get to the postseason. Everybody counted them out. And they played well as of late. They won six of their last eight games. And you look at Jordan Love's season this year, 32 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 4,200 passing yards. That's a, that's a solid season for somebody that many believed was a bust and would never be able to do what Aaron Rodgers could do with the Packers. Yeah, especially in this uh, offseason where there's a bit of an uncertainty around his contract, around contracts, around some of their uh, you know skill position players, including Aaron Jones. Uh, you know, And you look at some of the younger receivers that they have, like Jaden Reed, uh, and they've really stepped up nicely too. They've gotten better as the season has progressed. So uh, if I'm going red, Resume wins. I like their win uh, against the Chargers. And, well, actually, I like their win against the Chiefs. The way that they kind of dominated on that Sunday night game, 27-19 victory. These last three straight that they've won have been impressive, although the Panthers game, a little too close for comfort. Carolina does play teams pretty competitively. But still, I, I like the way that Aaron Jones has emerged these last three games, having 100-yard rushing performances in each of them. And he's coming off that injury that he suffered throughout the season. So he's playing his best football you want him to play his at his best right now going into the postseason i'm gonna tell you this okay aaron jones should be a packer for life there should never be another team he plays for and the funny thing is is that when you finally give aaron jones the ball and he's healthy look what he does he averages five six yards a carry um he does everything for you but score touchdowns just because you don't give him the ball 
in go in, in situations to score touchdowns. He'd do that for you, too, if you handed them the ball inside the red zone. But you don't. You give the ball to A.J. Dillon, or you throw the ball in the end zone. But Aaron Jones, to me, is he's the heart and soul of this team. Because think about this. He's the old man on the team now at 29. They're full of youngsters on that offensive side of the ball. And he's one of the few guys that's been through the wars and the battles that can kind of help rein in this team when they need to be reined in. So, you know, I, I've also often said that uh, Aaron is a leader on this group. He has been. And when you have a healthy Aaron Jones, even at the age of 29, he still shows that he is capable of shouldering a uh, an offense and and basically putting a team on his back. He uh, he can he definitely can, and I I feel like with Aaron Jones's emergence over the past couple weeks, he's just kind of I think a lot of people were out on just Aaron Jones. I, yeah. I think everybody's you know there's a lot of football fans who see uh, production through the fantasy football value meter, and they just say, hey, if you're not giving me a you know a plus in fantasy, then I'm just out on you as a player. But what people who are probably out of the playoffs and fantasy football failed to realize is he closed out the season really positively and uh, AJ Dillon when he's in the mix too they make for a great one-two punch Uh, the Cowboys will have their hands full with those two guys and not to mention Aaron Jones it seems like he plays at his best when he's playing against the Cowboys do we know about Aaron about AJ Dillon and what's going to happen to him regarding his status uh, against the Cowboys still questionable right now uh, and I I don't know man I you know he only had 19 rushing yards uh, against the Bears. It just seems like despite what's going on right now, I, I just don't know with that broken thumb how he's going to how he's going to be ready or if he's going to be ready here for this weekend. I, I don't know either. It's 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 interesting when you start to think about it. He's got a broken thumb and a stinger, a neck stinger. That's not good. But you also have Patrick Taylor off the bench, and Aaron has shown that uh, he has no problem shouldering the load for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and they also have uh, Kenyon Drake, who they promoted last week from the practice squad, and you know maybe they look to him, a veteran running back as well, to help uh, complement Aaron Jones. But like you said, he can he can take the workload, and if it's AJ Dillon doing the short short yardage situations for the Packers, then that's probably their you know their mo going into this weekend. Um, looking at some of the messages coming in on Twitter and X, uh, YYS. FYI, Steve, probably half of the locomotive fans are closet uh, America fans. Also, wear your Aaron Jones jersey on Friday because I'm just getting a vibe. Uh, Yeah, that could be a good vibe for you. Enrique Ortiz, Cap, you hit the hammer on the nail. Dallas has everything they need to have a lengthy playoff run. The worst matchup for Dallas is Dallas. They have been their own worst enemy since 1996. Let's see if we can finally host a championship game since 96. Funny, because Enrique just said exactly what Orley said, that San Francisco's worst enemy could be San Francisco, and Dallas's worst enemy is the Dallas Cowboys. Like, uh, unlike what I've seen so far from the 49ers, Steve, I, I, or excuse me, from the Cowboys, I feel like the 49ers right now, their window is here. If they don't yes. win this year, then I, I'd be concerned for them in the future because their window is now. Now with mm-hmm. the Cowboys, you can make an argument if they flipped a coach or something like that next season, they run it back with the talent they have, and maybe they have success. That's true. That is very true. All right, as we continue here on Sports Talk, 505-6009, our telephone number 20 in front of five right now as we get yourself through till uh, six today, and then John will join us for Utah Basketball with Keith Adams and Joe Golding. Here is Fernie who's up next on the show. Fernie, you tell me, can the Cowboys make a deep run through the, uh, the playoffs this year and possibly even land in Vegas? Hey, man, it's set up that way, okay? So it's 
it's all they got to do is win two games or at least get to the NFC championship game. And that's the, the whole thing is the 49ers, but you know, and that's the whole thing you were talking about. If, if McCarthy gets canned, if, if he loses the first round and yeah, I would think so. Even the second round, I mean, there's no point to it. If a dude can't even get to, you know, win two playoff games, what, what, what's the point of having this guy around? You know, I mean, there is no point. That's it's true. Just, you might as well just, I mean, did, did Brandon just say Bill Belichick? I was just kind of like, what? No way. That would, that would be kind of, Bill, Bill's a little bit, I don't know. He's, he's a little bit older and, and, you know, I mean, that was just one thing. Hey, another thing on the minor minor football. Yes. You were mentioning Smith going to Cincinnati. Which other guys uh, uh, entered the portal and haven't been picked up and or might come back to Utah? What about uh, Hankins? Uh, Hankins is still out there, although that running back room is very, very crowded right now. Here are the guys that have gone. Smith to Cincinnati. You've got Kelly Akari at Mississippi State. Torrey Richardson's at Temple. Mikel Broussard ended up transferring to Eastern Washington. Uh, James Neal is at uh, Texas State. You've got uh, Canarius, uh, uh, Canaeus Savon at uh, Utah. You also have Justin Mayers at Colorado. Kobe Hilton is at Oklahoma State. And Latrell Shelton is at Texas State. Everybody else is still out there right now. Well, you know, and I am kind of concerned because the trade-off in the portal that we got, we got, what, Austin P. Jr. here, junior yes, college. We do. We, do. we are I basically mean, Austin. We are now Austin P. Uh, El Paso. That's exactly what we are. And, and these guys were, you know, FCS for a reason. Well, I don't know. You how know, bad I, How bad did that work out for Jacksonville State this year when they transferred over from FCS to uh, Conference USA? And Incarnate uh, Word to well, Texas yep. State. Incarnate Word as yeah, well. That's I mean, exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. But it's just, it's just I mean, I, I just... I'm being a little bit cynical about, yep. you know, being a little Austin P, you know, junior college here. But, you know, some of the guys that are still in the portal, uh, I'd like to see. I mean, how many how many guys are still in the portal, Steve? And, and I mean, what what is going on with that? I mean, that's – I, I haven't seen any coverage on that. I've seen the guys that have, you know, obviously chosen to go somewhere else. Here are the guys from UTEP that are still in the portal. Steven Hubbard is still out there. Jonathan Patrick Jr. is still out there. Marcus Vinson, Torrance Burgess, Jeremiah Ballard is still out there. Deion Hankins is still out there. Jerome Wilson Jr., Jalen Rudolph, Tyler Williams, Justin Clark, Elijah Johnson, and that's the group right now that I see. Anybody else, Adrian, or is that it? Well, well, I just want to say this. I, I think it's hard, uh, you know, for us. I mean, well, I'll just say this but honestly. 247 Sports is the only kind of uh, source that we look at for this stuff. And when you start to ask the coaching staff about this stuff, they usually say, hey, the guys who are in the portal, chances are they're probably not coming back. The one guy that I could be honest that I do think he's coming back is Otis Pitts, the offensive tackle for the Miners. He hit the portal initially, but I do believe he's coming back on this team. And that's huge news right there because they need starting offensive tackles, offensive linemen on their team. He withdrew his name officially from the portal, so he is back as a minor that is accurate I, I wish i wish hankins would you know withdraw and come back only as i mean because he would be a strong leader to to you know for the minors but i mean yeah to each his own he's trying to look out for himself but fernie you got to realize he, something fernie adrian said it best that running back room right now has like about 10 guys on there that is the most crowded running back room in college football with all the players that are going to be playing for the minors this next well, year i guess i guess that's a good problem and you know getting back to the cowboys uh 
We'll see what happens on Sunday. Go Cowboys. Appreciate you, Fernie. Fours across the board. We'll come back with more in a moment. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, 10 in front of 5 as we continue here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. All of our guests on the show always appear via the 600 ESPN El Paso Longhorn Distributing Hotline. In fact, the McLaren Formula One detail products are now available at Longhorn Distributing, 5516 East Paisano, two blocks south of I-10. That's right, McLaren Formula One detail products at Longhorn Distributing. Let's go back to the phones. We've got Cruz standing by through the break. Hey, Cruz, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing okay. How about yourself, man? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Cruz. Hey, um, I want to make a comment, a couple of them. The Cowboys have been the own worst enemy, like a caller called earlier and said, uh, those mental mistakes, they start moving before the ball is hiked, and then the, the, the holding, and you know, at times, like I said earlier in the year, that um, Dak Prescott does what Tony Romo used to do. He tries to force the ball in there. So they need to be patient. If it's not there, you know, maybe throw it down downfield as far as uh, the furthest receiver. Uh, put it somewhere where it can't be intercepted. Throw it away, you know. And there's times, you know, uh, I, I, I've seen times when Dak Prescott can run with it, but, you know, that, that, that's if you can get hurt, you know. But uh, and, and so that's what I, I wanted to say. If they if they play um, if they're patient if they're careful play every play like you know the game depends on it because sometimes the the game does depend on on a certain play yep. so if they play that way uh, all through the entire game from the first play uh, play to the last in every game I I think they you know they've been in some of these games that they've lost against some pretty good teams they've been there competing and if they can eliminate some of those. Uh, calls because they're the most penalized team in, in the NFL. So if they can eliminate some of these mistakes, uh, their, their chances improve. That's true. I agree with that. Mistakes are always a killer for this team, but hopefully this will be a different group this postseason. Maybe we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll see a different. You know, different than what you're used to. Yeah, and you know that goes for for everybody. I hope I hope they win. I'm really pulling for them, but uh, we'll we'll find out this weekend. All right. Appreciate you. Thanks, Cruz. Thank you. You know, we actually had a. Um, you're you're going to laugh when you hear about this, but um, we we had a a certain Conrad sighting while you're on vacation. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. No way. Sighting like you saw him in person? No, he called the show. Okay. Wow. He's been pretty excited about the team right now. I'm shocked. Well, I, I don't know. I, what, I don't know what he's watching, man. Well, he seemed uh, he seemed pretty uh, pretty pretty jacked up about it right now. He really did. Was he excited about Dak? Does he like the defense? I mean, I, I would Everything. love to hear that. Everything. Yeah. He was he was ready to go. He's wow. you know Conrad's on board. He wasn't. He was he was ra- rather uh, you know I don't want to say jubilant, but he seemed pretty happy. Well, we'll probably hear from uh, him on Monday then, right? Or maybe I hope, the I'm hoping we Monday. hear on well, maybe we hear from Conrad this week. That's true. Yeah, I get a little prediction. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, why do we have to wait till Monday? We can just get it uh, get it sooner than later, right? Yeah, it's a good call. I like it. I like that, too. All right. Hey, winding up hour number one of two here on the show. Don't forget, John Teicher is going to join us uh, coming up uh, in just about uh, 45 minutes uh, from now. We'll get a chance to talk to Teich uh, live at Hudson's Grill, 1770 Lee Trevino. You want to get in, though, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, that includes our uh, mobile app where you can chat with us in real time. In fact, I'm looking at some of the messages. Robert uh, says, hey, Adrian. 
I'll bet you lunch that the Cowboys will win by over seven points. I'll bet you lunch. I'll give you seven points. Robert, I don't know who you are, and I agree. I'm in on this. Uh, I'll take the seven points. I'll I'll buy you lunch. I got you. I like that. I like that a lot. Pinky, you don't know how much I hate college game announcers saying a transfer portal from Old Beach Boys song comes to mind. Be true to your school. Thank you, Pinky. Appreciate that. I do like the Be True to Your School song from the Beach Boys. We'll come back. Hour number two in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Yard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broaddus. Welcome back, everybody. It is the start of hour number two of Sports Talk. He's Adrian Broaddus. We got uh, Alberto here as well. Alberto is going to give us a little uh, sports center at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Good to have you back, folks here as we continue by the way in case you missed it michigan they are your national champions last night they dominated 34 to 13 the final score um by the way when it comes to predicting scores i am not very good at it i'll be the first to tell you i don't know if adrian feels like he's good at predicting final scores uh you feel like you've got a talent for that no i don't i don't i'll tell you who does have a talent for it Lane Frank, the host of the Schoolyard Sports Podcast. He joined us yesterday on Sports Talk prior to the game. Here was his prediction, folks. Very excited for this game tonight. Coronado didn't have school today. That's why I'm at the game. Wait, there's no school at Coronado? No, new building, moving in. That's besides the point. This is going to be an elite game. Michigan's going to win it. I don't have much time. Michigan's going to win this game. It's an amazing atmosphere here. Hey, Lane, final score tonight. Uh, Let's go. Michigan, 34-10. Go blue. I will be going crazy once we win. All right, pretty confident. Thirty-four ten. The final was thirty-four to thirteen. It's pretty good when you can accurately predict your favorite team's final score to the to like on the dot, and then the opposition you're only off by three points. Pretty impressive, man. And also, I just would say to all the Michigan fans out there, for everybody, it's been a long time, 1997, 26 Mm. years right there. Uh, Yeah, that's the last time uh, they actually won a national championship. So happy for Michigan. Also, uh, I I heard from a lot of people that it was a breath of fresh air having a non-SEC, non-South team win the Ah, national championship. That's nice, isn't it, when you have a little different story? Yeah, that's right. In today's NIL transfer portal era of college football, yes, it is. It's it's nice to see a little different. Now, when you say they won the national championship in 1997, was that January of 97 or was that December of 97? Mm, I got to double check on that. Yeah, I just know the year. I'm just wondering because I'm trying to figure out if I was even hosting Sports Talk then because I took over full-time hosting duties for Sports Talk in the summer of 97. So I can't remember if that was before or after um, Michigan ended up winning the Natty. So I've got uh, them beating – this does not seem right. I've got them beating Washington State January 1st, 1998. Does that seem right? Uh – Maybe Washington State, Mike Price for the championship. That could be. I I think that's what I've got. A Rose Bowl national yeah. championship. Yeah, Nin- January first, ninety eight. Okay, that could be the case. Which means I would have been six months into hosting sports talk. Oh yeah, that's I love it. I love that right there. Long Lloyd Carr, head coach. Long time ago, Adrian. Long time ago. So all right, Esteban gets into the program on uh, Twitter and X says Steve. I distinctly remember Coach Walden state in his interview with you that he would not take back any player that went into the portal. 
Adrian, can we fact check that? Is that true? Yeah, I mean, he said that at the point, he had like an ultimatum date. So he was like, hey, from this point on, anybody who hits the portal from this point on ah. will not be allowed to come back. So let's say Otis Pitts, who had hit the portal before Scotty Walden was hired and then met Scotty Walden, wanted to come back because he loved the energy of the new head coach. That was enough for, uh, you know, Scotty Walden to obviously accept Otis Pitts back in the program. So anybody who was in the portal prior to when he was hired could probably have an opportunity to come back. Correct. That's exactly right. Yeah, and I would assume that those decisions have already been made. Because I would think so too. it's, I mean, hey, look, they've got their first official team meeting coming up here on Monday at 7 in the morning out at the LKD. So that'll tell you enough as far as where this team is at and, and kind of the expectations that'll be placed. What do we know? Do we know anything yet about where guys like, um, you know, um, Dion Hankins is where he's going to go. So Dion has hinted in on Instagram and things like that that like he's he likes the UConn idea. He's made the official visit out there. Uh, they roll out they rolled out the red carpet for him out at UConn. So uh, we know the challenges that UConn faces as an independent football program right now. Uh, they don't have much of an NIL uh, in place, but they do have some NIL in place right now. Jim Mora wants to obviously win there. He's uh, talked publicly about how the lack of resources that UConn has had has hurt them in uh, trying to have success, but that's uh, you know the only school right there that I've seen a lot of interest from as far as Deion Hankins on his personal social media account. We were hoping that uh, Bernie Olivas would be here in the 5 o'clock hour. I'm, I'm not giving up. I still have hope, but I have not heard from Bernie. I don't even know if he's landed yet, to be 100% honest with you. I don't know. Which begs the question that Chris Banks 21 asks uh, on uh, Twitter at 600 ESPN El Paso. I thought Bernie, Chris said, had access to the Tony the Tiger private jet. Apparently not. I like that. I like the um, guess right there from Chris. Good stuff. He flies commercial, uh, Chris, just to let you know. He does not fly private. He flies commercial. Simple as that. Wouldn't it be cool, though, if there was a Kellogg's plane just flying Bernie around everywhere? Especially if the plane was painted with Tony the Tiger. Or if every time they landed, Tony the Tiger had to come out with Bernie, so you get a little photo op and a little uh, advertising there. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Anyway, I don't know. I'm not sure. And uh, um, I can tell you this much right now. I just sent a text to Bernie, and ooh, it shows it was delivered. Which means one of two things. Either A, he's stuck in an airport, hasn't flown back yet. B, he has landed in El Paso. Or C, he has messaging on his flight. Yeah, I would go with the C, C option maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the even if you're with the worst airlines that we meant or we didn't mention in the previous hour, usually those have Wi-Fi, right? For uh, messaging at least, right? Ooh, some of them? Uh, not some all of them. them. Not of all of them. them. You're right. Not let me let me say this. Okay, let me say this. I have flown the last two years. I've been fortunate enough to fly on the UTEP football charter each of the last two seasons. No internet, no text, no Wi-Fi, no nothing. Oh, okay, that makes sense, though. <laughs> I mean, it's if it's just going to be for the team, right? Yeah, I, I hear that. If it's going to be a, a commercial flight yes. like we're talking, you know. But what did you think that the college team would have access to uh, to texting and, and and even the coaches or anybody yes. affiliated with the with the uh, you know with the team? Because we're not just talking players; we're talking coaches, we're talking athletic directors, we're talking uh, athletic staff. Nobody has those, and some of those flights we're talking three, four hours each. 
Yeah, yeah. Miami was not a short flight. I would say just from the admin perspective, wouldn't you want your access to the phone? I mean, you, you never know what could be happening. That's true. You're 100% right about that. 10 past the hour as we continue. So I'll try to get confirmation from Bernie to see if he can uh, pop in here during our 5 o'clock hour. If not, maybe we can get him tomorrow. we got a full three hours tomorrow. We have a full three hours every day the rest of the week, by the way, Adrian. We're going 4 to 7 Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week because um, UTEP will not be playing Thursday. They will, in fact, be playing in Miami against FIU Saturday afternoon. That's right, yeah, and it's it's going to be a busy weekend, too, if you talk about UTEP hoops. I mean, the road trip uh, to Florida International, got a chance to go out to practice today uh, to see the men's basketball team, where they're at right now, and hey, look, this is a program right now that's searching for their first road win of the season, and I'll, granted, they haven't had many opportunities to do it, only, what, uh, four road games, true road games so far, 0-4 on the road right now. This is the right game to do it. If they're trying to look at that get-right game on the road, it's FIU who's been struggling all season long, uh, you know, across Conference USA and non-conference play. And you get to watch them practice at the Haskins Center. That's a rarity. Most of the times they're always practicing at Foster Stevens. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, you're talking about young guys like David Terrell Jr. who's earning more minutes. He's got to get as many reps in the Don Haskins Center as he can as he tries to continue to develop with this team. And I guess that's where, you know, the conversation was centered, the pivot to going to more of a small ball approach in the smaller lineup right now. And I guess that's where the coaching staff and the team is at. Let's play this clip. You tweeted this out uh, less than a minute ago. Here's Joe Golding talking about uh, David Terrell, Trey Horton, Calvin Solomon uh, from Adrian and uh, his trip to practice earlier today. Yeah, I thought he's just he's playing really well. You can see his confidence starting to grow. It's a typical freshman, man. We, we've, we've hit January now, and that's usually when you see some growth from freshmen that continue to trust the process and stick with it. <clears throat> I think he gained a ton of confidence in the second half of New Mexico State, uh, and I think you can see that in how he played in Chicago State. So uh, there's a reason he didn't come off the floor uh, the second half. You know, uh, we... we uh, I think we all know around here, David Terrell is going to be a special player, and he's pretty darn good right now, but, but he's going to get better and better and better uh, each and every day. And, um, you know, I, I think one time on the floor we had three freshmen, right? The other night we had Elijah Jones, Trey Horton, and David. So that's a great sign for the future, but obviously we're trying to, to win now. Those guys give us a good chance to win. What does it take for a guy to get minutes on the team like Horton, who got extended minutes this year? Yeah, team? we went to four guards, which obviously presented an opportunity for, for Trey. And then uh, we know Trey can shoot the basketball, and he's getting better defensively. That's why Trey hasn't been on the floor, is uh, he's figured out defensive concepts and stuff and when you when you can't score the ball you got to be able to guard and defend or act to stay in games but uh trey obviously uh helps us open the floor a little bit and that's what we were trying to do what calvin do what do you see from fiu yeah same fiu team that i've seen the last two years very athletic very talented uh really really good guards uh you know they, they press defensively they force a bunch of turnovers they get up and down the floor and so you got to really value the basketball um, you got to take care of it i think here we turned it over 14 times and beat them 20. there we turned it over 20 plus and barely won so uh you got to value the basketball and you got to uh seize on opportunities when you have numbers uh and, and create some offense but you also just can't get in a tracking uh, you talked about just putting the pieces together on offense. Just uh, what needs to be done on that side of the ball? Yeah, again, we're just trying to figure it out, right? Um, you know, we, we've uh, we've gone from two game to high low stuff, which uh, did, didn't create enough space. Uh, we thought for our guards uh, to, to just try to open the floor a little bit. Now playing four guards and trying to open the floor up, uh, create a little bit more space for those guys to, to, to have some more freedom to go make some plays. With the pivot, how does Calvin's role change? Uh, I don't think it changed. You know, I mean, he's, he plays the five. You know, like uh, we're gonna play one big right now, but there's gonna be time. 
times, Adrian, that we're going to have to play two bigs, right? I mean, there's going to be times we're going to have to go back to two bigs uh, on conference play. You noticed that uh, you know, we got beat on the glass against Chicago State, so that's a uh, you know that's kind of a trade-off, right? When you when you do it, uh, you got to have some toughness for four guards. We got to be able to rebound uh, with Otis on the floor. Those cuts like you're two bigs, but we've moved Otis back a little bit to the perimeter. But uh, you know, Calvin's role hasn't changed. We just need more consistency. All right, so there it is, saying you need more consistency from Calvin. It also makes you wonder if you go small and he plays the five, what happens with Kevin Kalou? Oh, he's not going to play. That, yeah, he's yeah. just going to swap him out because right. he's going to go with that smaller ball approach right now. And, yeah, there's going to be teams across Conference USA, like he alluded to, where you're going to have to play two bigs in stretches. But I'd also like to see how that third big, a.k.a. Elijah Jones, fits into the, that equation moving forward as well. He's gotten a little bit more playing time, but, it, you know, when the mistakes come, that's usually when uh, the benching comes for Elijah Jones. That's true. And then you wonder, you know, it, it's when you make mistakes, mistakes and you get benched it sometimes becomes a mental thing and you're almost more worried about on the court not making mistakes than you are trying to just play basketball yeah no doubt and and another thing with that is Calvin Solomon in particular when you talk about things like mistakes we were highlighting this on minor talk over the weekend the one area uh, that he needs to improve on drastically is his turnover rate so last year his turnover rate was on 23 possessions he would turn the ball over offensively this year that number is actually increased increased about 25%. So a fourth of his offensive possessions when he touches the ball, he's turning the ball over. And uh, Calvin Solomon, a preseason all-conference USA selection and honoree, cannot be doing this in his final season of college hoops. It's hard to believe that Solomon has struggled as much as he has. It really is. Yeah, it is because I was I had high expectations for Calvin Solomon. I really did, and I think they they were warranted, knowing that this guy has been in college basketball since the pandemic season 2020 for Stephen F. Austin, and has really played uh, minutes ever since then. Even though those those times it was off the bench, he was a bona fide starter. Now he's coming off the bench. His minutes are kind of diminishing a little bit on this team. Yep. Uh, but I want to see how that is moving forward. How he can step up and still be valuable to this team, knowing that his minutes aren't where they were previously. You want to get in? 505-6009, our telephone number. That's 505-6009. You can also connect to us at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter and Hex and also uh, on our mobile app where you can listen to the show and chat with us in real time. More in a moment, but first, let's go to Charlie One. He's back with his traffic update. I didn't expect that. I don't know about you, but that was something that uh, definitely caught me off guard a little bit. Vrabel, one of the more successful coaches in the game, and I know Tennessee had their finish the way they did, and uh, you know, don't get into the playoffs. I did not expect Vrabel to be one of the first coaches that would be a casualty of the 2023 football season. Yeah, and you heard from their owner today. So just for – I thought this might happen. And I thought that uh, for Vrabel, it just – what are you going to do, run it back next year with a younger roster and try to redevelop everything when he's kind of that coach who you plug in and you try to make a postseason run with the talent that you already have. They're kind of going through a bit of a rebuild, might not move forward with it with uh, – uh, Derek Henry next year, and then they hired a new GM last offseason. So whenever you hire a new GM, the GM wants their own head coach. They want somebody that they sign off on and stuff like that. So uh, with all of this coupled and knowing that you still have a bit of an uncertainty when it comes to your quarterback with Will Levis or whatever you end up doing at that yeah. spot – 
it's time for a little bit of a rebuild and a reset for this team right here. Uh, you look across the AFC South, are you better if you run it back as is than the Texans, the Colts, the Jaguars if you're the Titans? Probably not, and that's why they needed the full reset. I expect uh, no DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Hopkins next year as well. Might look to deal him and get some uh, depth from him. And what they do at that coaching position, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know where they go. Do they hire young and, and try to push for Ben Johnson type of uh, hire like from the Detroit Lions do they want to be involved in the Harbaugh sweepstakes or the Bill Belichick sweepstakes if that ends up being the case so I felt like uh, the trade was an option for the Titans but very complex very complicated to actually make that happen trading a head coach hasn't happened since what uh, Sean Payton or John Gruden is that is that the last time we're talking about a head coaching trade so it's been a while Meanwhile, what do you do if you've got Will Levis? Do you draft a quarterback with the seventh overall pick like the Titans could do, or do you do you give Levis, the former second-round pick, an opportunity to try to earn the job permanently? So it depends on who's on the board. I really like Jaden Daniels from LSU. I think he's only going to improve his draft stock after the NFL scouting combine. He might even uh, surpass somebody like Drake May. Maybe that's a little bit of a reach, but still, I like Daniels. If he's available at number seven, if they could even couple or trade that pick and trade up for it, maybe they get one of the splash guys I just think it's hard to draft quarterbacks Steve it's like it a is. 50-50 maybe not even maybe it's like a, a 60% bust rate for most of these first second round picks yeah you don't see a lot of guys that just come out right out of the gate and, and, and do well you really don't I mean look CJ Stroud was terrific this year but uh, on the flip side you could look at uh, for every CJ Stroud how many other quarterbacks were first round failures that uh, right. just never got it done yeah for every CJ Stroud then there's the Bryce Young yep. who you're scratching your head at and thinking Oh, this time last year, January 9th of last year, Steve, we were talking about Bryce Young, no doubt about it, number one pick of the draft. If we had a redraft to tomorrow, uh, C.J. Stroud would be number one, no doubt about it, to the yeah. Carolina Panthers, knowing what we know now. That's true. And by the way, this could be a very quarterback-heavy draft. Very quarterback You have Caleb Williams right out of the gate. You mentioned Jaden Daniels. Um, you also have um, – you, you've got Penix. You've got, you, you've got uh, the quarterback out of Oregon. Who um, Bo Nix? Yep, Bo right. Nix. Everybody loves him too. So there's a lot. I mean, you could have five quarterbacks drafted in the first ten picks. Sure. I mean, look at uh, even J.J. McCarthy. I wouldn't yep. throw him as as maybe a top ten overall pick, uh, but still, he could end up finding his way into being a first second round draft pick when it's all said and done. Still, haven't gotten the official word from Quinn Ewers whether or not he will come back. All the indication expects him to come back for another season out in Texas right now, although that hasn't been made official. Uh, Sanders, you always. I'm looking at Shador Sanders. I yep. still think he's fantastic, oh. although he probably returns to Colorado when it's all said and done. Don't forget uh, about Drake May. Yeah, Drake, of course. He's going to be May. a top three overall pick. Yeah, probably. probably number two. Probably right behind him. And then uh, I, I would definitely throw in some of the outside guys like Cameron Ward. Uh, I like what he does, although he might be coming back for another season of college football. So yeah, there are a lot of names who could be drafted here, uh, coming up here in April. I mean, you just look at the top uh, top draft picks in the NFL for quarterback. You've got Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Penix, J.J. McCarthy, Bo Nix. That's a very interesting top six right there. And you wonder how high will some of these quarterbacks go. And even if J.J. McCarthy doesn't have the physical tools that, let's say, Caleb Williams has, he's a winner and he knows how to navigate through big moments. That's a big deal. And there will be 
teams who just say, oh, well, let's patch it up with a veteran right now and let's see what we could do with that. And that that might be the Tennessee Titans case to go back to uh, what the Titans end up doing. Maybe they think, let's pair up Will Levis with the, the free agent quarterback out there, uh, whether it be like a Jameis Winston or even Garner Minshew, even though he's been on a million teams over the past couple seasons. So yep. that, that could end up happening as well. That wide receiving uh, draft is also going to be really interesting, especially with Marvin Harrison Jr. You've got also uh, Adunzi from Washington. You've got uh, Malik Neighbors from LSU, Keon Coleman from Florida State, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, a couple of Texas receivers, and Xavier Worthy and uh, Adonai Mitchell. Uh, there's a lot of guys. A lot of guys could be big. Yeah, and we've seen how wide receivers are the guys who can make the quickest impact. Look at Zay Flowers and what he's helped uh, the Baltimore Ravens do in year one. Even Puka Nakua yep. was drafted late, you know, on day three for the Rams. He's been a valuable, uh, you know, difference maker for them in their playoff run. So young receivers are always the guys who should be drafted early on because you could, like we've seen in the past, you could plug and play these guys and you can never have too many of them. How high is Brock Bowers going to go? The, the super tight end from Georgia. He could potentially be a top five, top ten pick. Oh, I love him. He's my probably number one as far as talent on this entire in this entire uh, draft. Other than Marvin Harrison, I mean, think about it, Steve. We've got Marvin Harrison, once in a generation type of receiver. Brock Bowers, once in a generation type of tight end, at least on paper as far as a recruit. Then you move over to the quarterbacks. It's Caleb Williams and Drake May, two guys who are rated pretty high on this draft right now. And uh, I believe it's the Notre Dame offensive tackle. He's also going to. Oh, Joe Alt. Yeah, he's going to be a top 10 guy as well, and he's graded pretty high by a lot of these draft gurus. Then you've got Olu Fashanu from Penn State, who could also be the number one offensive tackle on the board, and he's a potential top 10, top 15 pick. Yeah, it's a good name as well. I mean, look, if you're a team out there like the Arizona Cardinals that still values their current starting quarterback in Kyler Murray, then you're looking at that offensive tackle spot. You've got a top 10 overall pick. You need to bolster your offensive line. That's where you need to go. Tennessee Titans, you can make an argument they need to go with an offensive lineman instead of going the quarterback or even defensive route. Um, Another thing to mention, not a lot of pass rushers going into this uh, 2024 NFL draft. I would look at Dallas Turner out of Alabama, his draft stock could skyrocket over the next couple months because there just simply isn't as many edge rushers going into this year's draft. Jared Verse, he's another guy I like from Florida State, but other than those two guys, I mean, maybe you like uh, Trice yesterday from Washington. He was a nice pass rusher from the Huskies. Those are the only two I would look at right now, first round picks out of the edge spot. I haven't mentioned this yet, and I apologize because I should have mentioned this in the first half hour of the show, but hearing the news that Tyrese Knight got an invite to the Senior Bowl, that is a big, big deal for Tyrese and for UTEP football. And I was trying to remember the last guy that had a Senior Bowl invite from UTEP. It's been a while. Get My guess is uh, Will Hernandez, uh, and yep. I'd have to go back and do some digging on that. But, uh, you know, this is... Um extra special this year that the fact that Tyrese Knight gets invited to the senior bowl knowing that this is the first year they actually allowed juniors in the the bowl game and that's that's really difficult right Steve yeah. almost is unfair because it, it eliminates a lot of roster spots that could be given to underrepresented talented players like Tyrese mm-hmm. Knight uh, and so he got a late invite but it ended up being the case I'm so happy for Tyrese Knight I actually saw him over the offseason was telling him how disappointed I was that he wasn't selected for it he was disappointed himself but I'm happy that this all came to fruition he'll be in front of so many scouts and and you know what one of their directors Jim Nay 
Nagy loves Tyree Snyde, has tweeted about him before, and so that, that bodes well for him as well. I'm excited about that. By the way, I'm also fascinated about what UTEP's going to do with their senior day, aren't you, with uh, knowing the players that uh, are all you know done with eligibility, that want to play on Sundays, and Tyrese will be part of that, and knowing also that this is the first time Scotty Walden will be uh, helping to organize senior day, what that's going to be like around here. Definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, about pro day, I should say. Pro right, day. right, and, and we've talked about in the past, it's about getting the invites out there for pro day, and I'm happy that there are NFL draft hopefuls like Praise and May who have already left town, yep. and they are currently out in uh, the East Texas area training with high-level professionals to try to get a pro uh, chance, whether it's in the NFL, XFL, uh, you know, the merger that's going on with the XFL and USFL or the mm-hmm. CFL when it's all said and done. That's true. All right, bottom of the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Let's get back to Alberto. He's standing by with this Sports Center update for us. Good job, Alberto. Very difficult trying to throw a Poziemski out there during a Sports Center update. Uh, those are names I usually just skip, Adrian. I'm not going to lie to you. Anytime I got to throw something like that out there, um, my best advice to Alberto is when it comes to the NBA, ask Adrian any foreign name because usually he follows the NBA so well, Alberto, that he can help you out with that pronunciation guide. Yeah, Poderemski is the guy. And there's no even R in there, but I don't even know how that that's Poderemski. Yeah, yeah, Podemensky. I've heard yeah. it multiple times. Poderemski. Yeah, and so, um, right. yeah, he's yeah interesting player on the Warriors. By the way, uh, you know, who knows if Draymond is even on the team here in the next couple months, right? The- How about Draymond saying that Adam Silver talked him out of retirement? Ah, it's, I don't believe that, man. I, I really don't. I this is a, a lot of this is fodder. A lot of this is to promote him. A lot of this well, is for his podcast and stuff like. I don't really believe it. How about this though? This is interesting, and and this this is a quote that if he actually meant it would mean something. When he says, "I've cost my team enough. I've cost this organization enough." If he really meant that and wanted to start fresh, I'd be okay with that. But how long will it take until Draymond starts being Draymond again? Well, I mean, he's uh, well, he's he was always Draymond, right? Even when he he got suspended, that's why he got suspended is because he was kind of taking Draymond to a little bit higher of a level. But when he he doesn't turn it up to twenty notches, and when he can just kind of maintain an, uh, a nice like even keel type of approach, I think that's the better approach for Draymond Green. Another part about Draymond Green is I still think he's valuable, Steve. I, I think a, another team out there, if they look at this Golden State. Warriors team and say, hey, look, we can trade them a center. That's what they need. They need a big, they need somebody who's going to rebound for them, somebody who's going to help them out in the interior. Then we can part ways with Draymond Green, knowing what's gone on in the past. The the Jordan Poole punch should have been it last year, and then now it's poured into this year with uh, two different instances of him fighting, him uh, you know, getting thrown out of games for his antics and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's time for an end. I think it's I think both sides would benefit uh, from a change of scenery. How about the Knicks winning four in a row? They play tonight also. They're hosting the Blazers. Uh, in a game that's going to start any minute now from the Garden, but they look like a new team after making that trade, and Toronto looks good. That's what maybe one of those win-win trades right now. I liked it. Initially, uh, I think the one thing, okay, so when I first saw OG and Obi for R.J. Barrett, I was like, no way. Like, the the Knicks got fleeced. This is terrible. Uh, I'm, I'm really disappointed in New York for actually going forward with this in Leon Rose, but then when I saw Precious, uh, Precious Achua coming back in that trade to New York, I liked the complimentary piece uh i didn't like the quickly the the fact that he had to depart but maybe he flourishes and grows in toronto the way he couldn't in uh you know new york he needs
needs to make mistakes. He needs a team that will kind of give him the keys to the car and let him uh, drive for a little bit because he's younger and he needs to make mistakes in this league. And where the Knicks are at right now, they can't afford those kind of mistakes. So they want to be a team that is uh, ready for a better run. And I like the way that Julius Randle has played alongside OG Ananobi. I think those two are a nice one-two punch. And I think the thought of trading Randle has kind of quieted right now from Knicks fans knowing that, hey, these two players play nicely together. First off, Julius Randle right now looks like an all-star. Randle and Brunson both look like all-stars in New York. I mean, they deserve it. They've had great years. I want to see if the Knicks make another deal around the deadline or if they just roll with this team through into the postseason. Yeah, I mean, Brunson's my favorite player on the Knicks, no doubt about it. He's actually kind of like Luka Doncic light, right? I mean, like he can he's so deceptive with his speed. He can kind of change and alter his speed at different mm-hmm. areas, but he could score at all three levels, which is what I like. He could hit a three in your face, but he can also drive to the hoop and hit a nice floater to win a game. Like he's so uh I guess multifaceted and versatile with his approach. He just needs a little bit of help, like one yeah. other star in order for this team to make a run. 37 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009, that's our telephone number. We're going to come back. John's going to join us live from Hudson's. We'll have a lot to talk about with Tyson, and then we'll get ready for UTEP basketball with Keith Adams and Joe Golding. It's coming up top of the hour right here. 600 ESPN El Paso.